This is Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art, because doing good work takes time. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Caradini. And today we're going to wrap up Season 5. It only took a year. Uh, indeed. It's a little less yeah, than a year. I mean, and, and kind of, it, it didn't really take us a year to record, well... It took us a year to finish recording it, but it was more like a seven-month yeah. or a four-month season with then two episodes thrown in way later, and now this third that's, final episode. But hey, that's how we roll sometimes. Pretty true. It's true. We are definitely working slowly, but consistently, <laughs> and with a purpose, moving towards good things. So we are talking about the end of the season and we wanted to recap some of the main ideas that we talked Mm -hmm. about and kind of push one idea forward that we're going to be thinking about as we go into season six, where we're going to talk about uh, the ways that we can uh, resist some negative effects of technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we get there, uh, yeah, we we did a lot of different stuff in this season. We were looking at the ways that we could adjust our content to have more of a through line. And uh, I think that it was a pretty successful experiment. We're definitely going to kind of push forward on trying to think through some of those things for the next season as well. Yeah, we've heard from a number of listeners, including my wife, that it made it a lot easier to hang on to the content of each individual episode and also to fit the episodes together. And that's an idea that we've had in the back of our heads for a while. As far back as season three, we started doing it kind of intentionally partway through the season. By season four, we were definitely doing it. We had this idea of globalism. And then this season, we we took that and nailed it down with these axes. How does this mm-hmm. structure affect individuals or society as a whole along these along these three kind of lines and how they intersect each other. And I think that was really effective and helpful. Again, we've heard good things along those lines from people. I also think that going forward, we may not be using exactly that same kind of structure. We're not going to promise to come up with a three and a half dimensional space for describing a particular phenomenon every season. That would be a lot of work. Awesome. It, it might be awesome, but it also might get old. <laughs> the yes. three-dimensional space for talking about technology. Then again, we have read a list of 79 theses about technology in the past. And spoilers, right. one of the things we're looking at for next season includes another long list of questions about technology. Indeed. We're, we're not Indeed. above doing long series of things when it suits us. And when it's relevant to what we're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish at the time. So so those were the three axes. They were social, legal, so whether things are being uh, structured by the social environment or by a legal body such as a government mm-hmm. or other agency, whether it was positive or negative, so whether the outcome of this structured event or idea was largely positive or largely negative. And whether it was visible or invisible, so whether it was something that was clear and present to the casual observer or whether it's something that goes kind of under the radar. And as a result of that, we got to talk about a bunch of different things. We got to talk about Uber twice. (laughs) We talked about homeless people and the Internet and libraries. We talked about regulation of the Internet itself, Uh which 
seems to be one of the closest episodes that we have hewed directly towards <laughs> our original mandate of talking about technology in a Christian ethics uh-huh. format and a lot of other things along the way. And as we've been doing that, we've been touching on this idea of the virtuous cycle and the vicious cycle. And it hasn't been the focus of any of the particular episodes, but it's come up in a lot of them because the ways that structure is enforced are often through individual agents' actions repeatedly within that structure. Uh And so it's not just that someone says, hey, these are the rules, and then people are like, oh, darn, there are the (laughs) rules, although that does happen. (laughs) It's that there are actions that the structure causes or suggests that keep its own structure working. Right. There are things that become more imaginable or less imaginable to even try. There are things that become very difficult to do because of countervailing habits that everyone else has. Thinking back even to our social media episode, one of the things we talked about there, which was very early in the season, is this idea that you get a kind of permission from the kinds of things people around you are doing. Mm -hmm. And so when you see people getting off of Facebook, as we talked about in that episode, it gives you a kind of social permission. There's no law about that. There's no rule in the first place that says thou must be on Facebook or thou shalt be scorned and banned from society. It's rather this cycle that all your friends are on Facebook. And so it becomes really inconvenient not to be on Facebook because you don't get invited to mm-hmm. whatever get togethers or parties or whatever else is going on. Which was totally true in like 2008. Yep. Like if you weren't on Facebook, 2008, 2009. I mean, that is where social action was happening. Every every party, every get-together, every event happened there. And for large parts of the population, that's often still the case. But as those shifts happen, as more and more people are willing to get off Facebook, to take a break, etc., to take Lenten breaks from social media that suddenly turn into a recognition that social media is actually bad for my soul and I'm done with it, which is a thing I've had numerous friends and family members move toward over the last year. Yeah. Well, that kind of statement that I just made points at that. You can have virtuous and vicious cycles, and they happen because of the ways that we interact with the people around us. To go back to the very first episode of this podcast that we ever recorded and then pivoted a little bit, our contexts matter. And in, in many ways, these virtuous and vicious cycles happen because we're people embedded in contexts social contexts, legal contexts that, again, make things imaginable or not imaginable, make certain courses of action seem open to us or not. So as we are thinking about the ways that these cycles work, thinking about whether it's a, a social sort of action like Facebook or whether it's a, uh, sort of legal action, as we were talking about with vaccines, that sort of make these cycles go, mm-hmm. the nature of of what pushes those forward, whether it's the structure itself and the actions it forces, or whether it's agents taking on their own agency and pushing things forward and changing the structure, these kinds of concepts were what we wanted to originally tackle. And what we did tackle is thinking about where can you say, okay, we want to change this. How do we do it? 
let's get this right. going. And in some cases, you can totally do that. And in some cases, you kind of can't. Um, in some cases, it's imperative that we do say, <laughs> we can change this, let's yes. do it. And in other situations, there's a more protracted process by which you need to go through to get some of this stuff happening. And so it is that specific point that we were interested in in this particular episode is the durability mm -hmm. of these cycles, vicious and virtuous. Right. Because once that cycle is going, depending on the cycle in question, it can take years. Sometimes it can take decades or generations for real shifts to occur, for good and for ill. Uh, an obvious yeah. example that we talked about this season where we've got generations long work to do is sexism and sexism in the workplace. It's very clear looking around that we have decades of work to do to undo right. decades of vicious cycles that we're dealing with the fallout from. On the other hand, right. looking at institutions like libraries or orchestras, well, these are, or for that matter, vaccines, as we talked about last time. At this point, we have institutions that are more or less, depending on which one of those you're looking at, but more or less right. deeply embedded in our society. And they don't, they didn't any of them have to be. Libraries in particular, when we talked about those, public libraries didn't always exist. And if you propose public libraries today, you might have a hard time getting them off the ground. But no one really seems to argue with the idea of publicly funding libraries because everybody recognizes public libraries are awesome for everybody. Right. And that's a virtuous cycle. Exactly. Libraries have been great for so long that no one even ponders – Again, that foreclosing mm -hmm. of what's imaginable. No one even really imagines where we would purposefully stop funding <laughs> libraries. Now, there's what kind of monster? What kind of monster are you? There's obviously situations where funding runs out in other mm -hmm. ways, and there have to be juggling of of this fund and that fund and these sorts of things. So it's not like libraries don't have funding crises from time to time. That's not what we're saying. But the point is that no one is sitting around saying like, "How can we get rid of those right. libraries?" The main. How can we do it? No, the the main threat for each of the three things I just listed is invisibility. Right. It's when these goods cease to be things that we recognize as active public goods that are worth having. Which is much more of a problem for orchestras than it is for libraries. Right. Libraries are so obviously public goods to so many people. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting way to wrap up the season to think about not just how can you as a person work within a structure and how can a structure work on an agent, but looking specifically at what those two interacting does. And it does create these mm -hmm. cycles, and they do have varying levels of durability or, or not. And it's an interesting place to think about how we make changes. Right. Because to think about each of these episodes that we've done in the context of, okay, how do we, if we wanted to, break this cycle, or how do we resist people breaking this cycle – requires not just understanding the ways that the structure and the agency work together, as we talked about throughout the season, but really thinking about them working together, the ways they interact, and then where the individual points within the system can be modified or uh, stopped from being modified. 
And so it's this give and take, even with the stuff that's the most embedded and entrenched, that makes the structure agency thing work. And that's interesting to us because so often people talk about having total agency, even if they don't say that out loud, they they are functionally saying we have total agency or in other situations, it's made to look like the structure is always there and is irresistibly and irrepressibly going to exist. Right. Which it may both of those may seem true at the time, but that's just because of the way that people are looking at where in that system they can interject themselves or not. So, for instance, something we didn't talk about this season, but we've talked about in previous season with policing and oh, we, we did talk about mm-hmm. civil, forfeiture civil forfeiture in this season. But thinking about how as a person you can interject yourself into that system is more complicated if you're just a regular individual. Mm-hmm. And this is specifically what we talked about in that episode is you have to be more than just your individual self to kind of make a dent on this cycle. You have to have a different vantage point or a different place to interject yourself into this cycle whether that's by gaining more people or by gaining allies who are higher up in the halls of power or whatever it is, we talked about that at length, you have to have a different vantage mm-hmm. point. You can't just be a singular agent if you really want to make change in that in that system. So thinking about not just what is the structure, what is the agent, how can we change, it's where exactly do we need to go and what do we need to do to make changes in the system or to resist changes in the system. And that then leads to considerations in topics we didn't touch on at all. For example, if you're thinking about questions of how poverty affects people, or you're considering how questions of historical racial oppression affect people today, you'll often hear in public debate people's underlying assumptions about the relationship between structure and agency bubble up and surface. You have, on the one hand, a kind of radical agency view, a radical individualist view that says just work hard. Anybody can make a good life. And these kind of systemic structural things don't matter. You're you're not succeeding because you're not trying hard. On the other hand, you can have, and we do hear people saying that it's not possible. Maybe there are rare exceptions, but in general, it's the system is so stacked against you that you can't do anything. As we've noted throughout this season, there are times when the system can be so thoroughly stacked against you that it can be very difficult to do anything. And in those cases, as Stephen was just alluding to, what you have to do is organize. What you have to do is find the weak points in the existing structure and and go after them. When you have an entrenched evil, we described the problems of civil forfeiture today as entrenched legal evil. And there are also kinds of entrenched social evil. You you must tackle those on a person-by-person basis, but you must also tackle them at a societal basis. You have to organize. You have to get beyond what individual people can do. And at times, you have to dismantle structures that are much larger than individual acts of racism, for example. You have to go Mm -hmm. after these systemic Mm -hmm. structural things. And so it's important to identify what are the things that sustain systemic structural evil or systemic legal evil. And then by the same token, on the other side, things that we think we want to continue, what are the things that help us sustain systemic structural goods, systemic structural Mm -hmm. positives? 
Yeah. So in both cases throughout the season, we noted that visibility is often an essential but insufficient ingredient in this. Right. So if you keep the goods of orchestras visible, that helps. It's not alone sufficient. And this is, I would say, one of the mistakes that a lot of social movements do make when trying to address problems. They think that merely making something visible will inherently produce change. Well, occasionally that's true, but more often that is a first necessary step that doesn't get you all the way there. Likewise, you might think that keeping orchestras visible is all that it really takes. If We said this in that episode. If people just went to an orchestra concert, they would know. Well, no, that's probably a necessary, that's certainly a necessary ingredient for sustaining orchestras, but you probably have to do a lot of other things too to make these public goods continue to exist. And so going a step beyond that mere making things visible, increasing awareness, which has been a catchphrase of the millennial generation for social justice issues. Well, you do need Although that. It's been around for it's been around for longer oh, than that for certainly. sure, even though it has been been amplified in the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, and I simply have in mind high profile social justice college activist issues that were common even in the time Stephen yeah. and I were in school, they were all about awareness. Yeah. I mean, I can name three of them. Right. right now. Off the can, top of your head. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. But. That That is an endemic challenge because people do rightly right. recognize that part of the problem is the invisibility of these things. And they're right, but that's an incomplete answer. Right. And so this loops around to where – winning slowly started and always ends up is what is the role of technology in all of this? So thinking about, okay, if we know that we need to find the points where we can insert ourselves or defend against people that we think are bad actors inserting themselves, why don't we just get technology to do this? (laughs) Well, in some cases, that's, that's a totally reasonable and fair way to go about it. So whether or not it's uh, sufficient, as Chris was just saying, is the question. So Facebook is trying to do a lot of things to make itself less awful (laughs) via more technology, Mm -hmm. which is what they're going to do because they're a technology company. I think I I mentioned either in one of the episodes here or on uh, Chris and I's uh, discussion uh, leading up to an episode that uh, the uh, Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook manifesto is, man, Facebook was bad, and so we're going to put more Facebook <laughs> on top of it to make Facebook better. Yo, I heard you like Facebook, so we're going to put some more Facebook so in your Facebook. Facebook in your Facebook. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so th- there is a point where, yes, technology can have an effect. It can be positive. It can be part of how you – insert yourself into these situations. It can be even a a necessary thing, if not a sufficient thing. But there's also the times where more technology would would not help, where putting things into a technological frame and saying that this is simply an instrumental issue that we can fix if we get the parameters correct is actually foreclosing on options mm-hmm. for actual connection or actual development of uh, those coalitions or whatever other thing you may need that is also not sufficient but is necessary. Right. Putting technology into that frame entirely and saying this will be the thing that solves it is 
is, I think, in a lot of situations, a thing we have to push back mm-hmm. against. Not because I don't think technology can help. We are definitely pro-technology here. We're, which we're making have to keep a podcast. We're going to say that over and over again in season six, but we are. We're pro-technology, but we we think that technology is not sufficient and in some cases not even necessary to solve some of these issues. There are things that technology can even hinder Mm -hmm. that could be better dealt with if we just had a bunch of people sit down in a room and not try to deal with it via algorithm. Algorithm all the things. (laughs) And so much of where we're headed from here, obviously we're going to continue to have one-off episodes in the middle of seasons, as well as in the next few months, we'll actually put out a couple episodes between seasons to fill out that space a little bit. And also as a sort of (laughs) keeping our listeners tidied over while I'm moving across the country and getting resettled and all of that, since we don't want to leave you with another seven months of silence as we prep for season six. Yeah. It should also be noted that Chris is more competent at podcasting (laughs) than me and like will be able to like do things on the fly easier than I could. This is true. And I will have a stable office even while we're, while we're moving for various reasons, which I definitely did not. not. (laughs) And well, also as Steven joked with me before, before we started recording this episode, what's your secret? And I said, I'm always recording. It's the Hulk's secret is that he's always angry. (laughs) Mine as to how many I managed to put out so many podcasts is that I'm always recording. recording. I'm sure my wife sometimes feels like that. But no, where we're where we're going from here is a discussion of how we resist technology itself at times. And that might sound like a weird thing for podcasts to say, but building on some of those ideas Stephen just traced out and building on things we've been saying for seasons now, multiple seasons, mm-hmm. what does it look like to look at specific technologies and say – not so sure. Let's modify this to some of them and to others to simply say, no, that is a bad idea to pull and push against the idea of inevitability in technology Mm -hmm. that because something is possible, it is inevitable. We, we reject that notion and we're going to spend all of season six talking about the ways we resist that notion and reject that notion. Which might be a pretty long season <laughs> yes, in terms of the amount of things we have to say. Because it's particularly interesting to, to note that when we started this podcast, we wanted to talk about the ways that technology could affect the future, mm-hmm. not just today, not just right now. And in various episodes over the past seasons, and even in this uh, particular season, we've been able to turn our lens into the future a little more than just kind of handling what is happening right now and how will this affect, you know, a year or this person's career or whatever. Mm-hmm. In season six, we're going full on how is this going to affect the culture of the future? Right. This is almost the culmination of the first five seasons is coming up in that we finally have some of the concepts and the language and the expertise. Remember, we both started this when neither of us had ever podcasted before. So so there's there's a lot that we're going to wrap in from these five, six seasons mm-hmm. to kind of push towards this is what we were looking to talk about and we're not just like in a end we think slowly after <laughs> seven seasons we're not going to go all david crowder on this but um we are 
definitely looking forward to and hoping to get you excited for the the idea that the promise of this podcast, which has, um, even though individual episodes have been awesome, has sort of been working its way slowly towards something, is finally yep. getting there. We're finally on the sort of plane that we want to be talking on. And of course, that's appropriate. The podcast is called Winning Slowly. And so we have right. done the hard work of figuring out how to say these things the way that we want to. Yeah, Stephen dropped in our chat the other day some ideas he pulled out of dropbox which were from a file that we had created all the way back during season zero or season one two three years ago mm -hmm. fully three years ago mm -hmm. and yeah and those ideas are things that we're still coming back to and they're the kinds of things that we are going after full throttle in season six and those things are going to range all over. They're going to touch on Facebook and Uber, but they're also probably going to touch on things like cloning or cities, cities or yeah. bodily modification and Space. flying to Jupiter and all over the place yeah. because these are the kinds of things where we want to be able to build on this foundation of being able to think about structure and agency, being able to think about globalization and internationalization, being able to think about... Mm -hmm long-term effects of advertising being the foundation of your entire economy, things like that, that we've touched on in the past and integrate them and synthesize them. And even had really nice episodes on, but yeah, synthesizing them and bringing them together. And so we're really stoked the consistent listeners who are willing to go with us to these places. You guys and gals are awesome. So thank you so much because we would probably still be doing this <laughs> if no one was listening. But it's nice to know that there are people who really want to go with us where we're going. And that's that's really awesome, especially since in some ways the next season is going to be like the most controversial <laughs> season, but also the most boring season. <laughs> like, we're going to talk about some no. things that if you – yeah, if you just drop in on Winning Slowly in season six, hello, new <laughs> listeners, um, it's going to be a little weird. Because we're going to have all this backdrop and we're going to have these long ranging sort of expectations of what does a city look like after climate change in 50 years. Mm -hmm. Also, shout out to Kim Stanley Robinson, who apparently wrote a book about this. And it doesn't include the apocalypse. <laughs> Thank you, Kim Stanley Robinson. And, and that does point to one of the things we want to do in the upcoming season is use things like fiction as a lens to talk about some of these things. So we might branch out and try reviewing or discussing a movie as a lens into some of these issues. We might do that mm -hmm. with novels. We've we've tried to stab in those directions in the past, and we're actually going for one of those in-between season bonus episodes to talk about a novel that we actually planned to talk about during season four, and both of us were too busy to read it then. So... <laughs> <laughs> grad school people it's true. Grad school. it's true but we're going to try to do some of those kinds of things and that'll be some of the ways that we talk about art along the way and hey if you happen to know of some really interesting albums or even individual songs that talk about technology and even the rejection of technology you might shoot them our way we might do an album yeah. review who knows that's totally true so all that to say thanks for listening through the season that we just had. Mm -hmm. I hope you're getting excited for the season that's upcoming. And we are very excited for the season that's upcoming. And we hope that uh, you will continue to share this podcast with 
people who are interested, that's the biggest way that we get listeners is true. people say, hey, have you heard this thing? It's a podcast about ethics. It's weird. I like <laughs> it. It goes slowly. <laughs> it goes real slow. You'll have plenty of time to catch up. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, the music for the beginning of the episode was used with permission. Please don't use it without permission. Uh, thanks to Andrew Fallows and Kurt Klassen for sponsoring the show this month. If you'd like to sponsor the show, go to patreon.com slash winning slowly or cash.me slash dollar sign winning slowly. 10% of whatever you give us goes to the Internet Archive because they do good work very slowly. They have like 10 billion websites. It's incredible. It's incredible. As always, as Stephen mentioned just a moment ago, we really do appreciate it when you share this with friends and help other people slowly win at all the things. We also appreciate any time you share it on social media and ratings and reviews in podcast directories like iTunes or any other that you use. We love those. If you have thoughts on the whole season or any individual episode from the season, you can send comments our way on Twitter at Winning Slowly, at our Facebook page, email hello at winningslowly.org. We'll have plenty of time to be responding now (laughs) that uh, we're going to be on a little break, little break, totally little break, (laughs) small. Also, Stephen will actually be checking the hello at winningslowly.org address, which he kind of hasn't been doing for the last year. So... And I'm going to be checking Facebook too. Whoa. It's I know, I know. That's amazing. So, so you'll get me instead of Chris, which is usually you get Chris, but uh, hopefully I'll be an acceptable substitute for the next few months. As always, thank you so much for listening. This is, I'm a pubescent boy. (laughs) Wow, this podcast took a different turn than I was expecting. That then, again, make my stupid cat. (laughs) They make your... Now he's trying to get in the bedroom. They make your stupid cat? (laughs) (laughs) So if you... uh... Uh, oh, darn. I don't have the thing in front of me. <laughs>